So we're going to continue in our, in our series. Uh, it's not really a series. It's like two one-offs. Next week, by the way, we're going back into the book of Joshua. Um, and I can't remember where we're even at in Joshua. We're kind of, I know we're right after he, he kind of took another city. Um, and uh, it was after Jericho. But we'll figure that out next week. And we'll be back on track. And we're going to finish up the book of Joshua. Um, and asking that question of what's next for our lives as Joshua always was growing and pursuing and following God. Um, I shared with you before, I think the biggest... Um, the biggest marker in Joshua's life is obedience. And God's been challenging me lately, you know, what if, what if success looks like faithfulness? You know, and, and what if, what if um, faithfulness looks like obedience? And what if each person, and that includes all of you here today, no matter where you are in your journey of faith, no matter if you believe what I'm telling you today about Jesus or not, what if each of us were faithful to, to obey God speaking to us. That little thing, if we all did that little thing, what would the kingdom of God look like? Um, I believe he's drawing us into that kind of a conversation. So next week, we're going to continue in Joshua. Ask that and answer those questions. What does that look like for us? Um, I told you last week we talked about uh, the theology. Oh, I didn't mention this at all, by the way. I started to say it. Deb, you can give them gobs of cash. You can give them checks to Campus Outreach. And, and you could, and I, we'd probably prefer you to do that directly to them. But if you want to give your money to Family Bible Church for them, you can do that. What you'll do is write a check to Family Bible Church and put Campus Outreach on the memo, and we'll just cut them a check to them. And Dave loves it when I say that because he's like, really, do we have to do it? You know. But if that's what you want to do, we will do that, facilitate supporting um, Kim, uh, Tim and Deb as well. Um, all those things go in the green boxes in the back we call them joy boxes because we get to do that and last week I told I mentioned that now because last week I talked to you about the theology of the joy box or why we do joy boxes Woo! so we can make that noise right and so that we can contribute everything goes in the box by the way well this week I want to talk to you about uh, particularly something that Christians and churches screw up all the time all the time and, and this includes family bible church all the time, okay? And we're going to look at scripture today, and uh, we're going we're gonna to look at some things that we always, always, always um, seem uh, just to get wrong, uh, to get wrong in our life. Um, I, uh, I don't know where I went. Oh, it's down here. Um, I don't know. Some of you guys have heard I had a kind of a crappy week this week, and um, yeah, that's funny, right? No, no, it really stunk. Um, no, I was backed up for days. This could go on and on, guys. Don't encourage me. Uh, we had some problems at our house, and I really, I want to talk to you about sometime about what God was doing in my heart and mind when I was seeing this, this stuff come out of my toilet, but um, it's about sin, by the way. One of the things that, that I was, I was uh, thinking about was um, how we get things wrong, and, and uh, there was this idea in the church called worship wars. This is really funny to me, but worship wars. And actually, when I went to college, I was at Greenville this week, and I, was, I mentioned all that because I was digging through my books trying to save stuff, and I found this book called How Shall We Worship? And this book was actually written, uh, it says, A Biblical Guideline to the Worship War, <laughs> you know, uh, because Christians were fighting over the kinds of music. Um, and someone wrote a book, and they sold it to me for, like, $10 uh, to read and study how to stop people from fighting about what kind of music we do uh, in worship. We sing to God. And I think that's kind of a funny, and a funny thing. And, and um, the, the, that's kind of the light side, but the truth is that churches have been split. I, I read a little thing last night that said that uh, one church split because there were hand clappers and people who did not think you should be clapping your hands. No kidding. They went their separate ways. This wasn't a long time ago. This was like a year and a half, two years ago. You are a clapper. I'm not a clapper. And you go, what? Really? The kind of music we 
play or the kind of places we gather. Or, and we just go, I'm, I'm leaving. And, uh, and I think, man, that's, that's, that's crazy to me that, that we believe uh, so little of, of the God of the gospel that we would make such minute things the important things in life. And I think that's something we always get wrong. And I'm going to talk to you today about that. I think it's a great, great, great chance. So our tendency um, to, here's what I'm going to talk about today, a tendency that we have to worship the things that God gives us and not worship the God who gives them. That's what we're going to talk about today, okay? Before we do, I'm going to ask that you would pray with me. We're going to enter into God's word, ask for wisdom and insight. He inspired it, and he can inspire us to understand it. So please pray with me if you would. Today, Lord Jesus, we come before you, and we are fully submitting to you as much as we're able. And you know the heart, hearts we have, and you know the grip we have on our control and our desires and our plans, Father. I pray in this time we would just let go of those things. I pray, Father God, that your Holy Spirit would teach us. We, we claim we have no wisdom of our own, and that's not just a throwaway line, Lord. We have no wisdom of our own. If it weren't for you, we'd be lost and hopelessly abandoned in this world. And we give you praise and glory because we are not abandoned, but we're loved, and we're cared for, and we're shown mercy, and we're shown grace, and we're given wisdom. And so today, we ask that not that you would be here because you're here, but that we would have eyes to see and ears to hear the beautiful gospel that you've given to us, and that we would worship you because you alone are worthy. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to go ahead and have you turn, if you would, to the book of Exodus. Um, this is going to be in the First Testament. If you didn't bring a Bible today, we have them on the end of the chair rows for you. We think it's a big deal that you get eyes on Scripture and see for yourself what the Lord is saying. Uh, I would really invite you to be um, reading with us, but also reading on your own uh, in the Scriptures. Uh, it'll change your life. And we're going to start in Exodus 12. I want to remind you before we jump into Exodus 12, though, what the story of Exodus is about. We've been talking about Joshua, right, and leading uh, Israelites out of the desert into the promised land. But Exodus is about the story of slaves that God set free. Okay, that's the, that's the nutshell of the story. That's it, right? That God's people were oppressed and that God freed them. He heard their cries. He heard their pleas. And he delivered them from their enemies. And you know the story of the plagues and all that. Probably you've probably seen a movie or, 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 or read a book or maybe read the Bible. And you've, you've heard these stories told. But today we're going to pick it up right whenever everything kicks loose. Whenever the Lord has his way in freeing his people. And I want you to see what happens here. It's in verse 29, chapter 12, the book of Exodus. Read with me. At midnight, Yahweh struck down the firstborn in Egypt, from the firstborn of the Pharaoh who sat on the throne to the firstborn of the prisoner who was in the dungeon and the firstborn of all the livestock as well. I want to just take a second. This was a promise that he's like, if you don't let my people go, it will cost you dearly. You know, we pay heavy prices for not being obedient to God. And I'm not telling you not obedient to me or what I say God is saying to you, but when God is giving us instruction in our life and we choose to disobey him, we pay a heavy price. And here it says, at midnight, the Lord, Yahweh, struck down the firstborn. You know one thing I was, I was struck by myself when I read this? I always thought of this as being like babies. It's your firstborn. You know, we had a chance yesterday to spend a, a day with our firstborn, and that's kind of how it was. They went to bed, and they woke up in the morning, and they were dead. Matter of fact, read on with me if you would. This is what the word says. Pharaoh and all his officials and the Egyptians got up in the middle of the night, and there was loud wailing in Egypt. They were crying out because there was not a house without someone dead. Everyone was affected. Well, let's continue in 
And hear what happens. So during the same night, Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron, and he said, get up, leave my people and the, uh, you and the Israelites. So he's like, you guys get out of here, right? And this is all they've been asking for, by the way, is just let us go. Let us go. And they're like, get up and get out of here. Take your flocks and your herds, as you have said, and go and bless me. That's a funny thing, but whatever. We'll just pass on that today. But, you know, he's like, just get out of here. I mean, the price is too heavy. We can't deal with this. I love that he asked for a blessing because he recognizes that God is God and he is not. And he's the guy that sits on the throne. He's the guy that's really supposed to be in charge, according to him. And he says, just get out of here. 33. The Egyptians urged the people to hurry and leave the country. So everyone's like, just go, just go, just go. We don't want you here anymore. Because otherwise, we will all die. So the people took their dough before the yeast was added, and they carried it on their shoulders in kneading troughs wrapped in clothing. And the Israelites did as Moses instructed, and they asked the Egyptians for articles of silver and gold uh, and for clothes. And the Lord had made the Egyptians favorably disposed toward the people, and they gave them what they'd asked for so that the people plundered the Egyptians. Now, I want to I stop because we don't hear much about this part of the story. I don't know if I've ever heard somebody talk about this before, and I get really excited when I see something like that. But the truth is there are several things that God gives the Israelites. And the first principle I want to talk to you about today is this, that God gives us everything. And this, by the way, this isn't, I didn't plan this to come up here because after Tim and Deb, so I'm not trying, this isn't like some, you know, my conspiracy against you. But God gives us everything that we have, everything from our place of birth to our families to the clothes on our back to the stuff that we have to the places that we go, the experiences, the air we breathe, everything is a gift from God. And I want to walk through this text and I want you to see what God gave the Israelites, his people on the way out. First of all, I already told you, God gave them freedom. In verse 31, it says, Pharaoh says, get out of here. I'm, I'm tired of oppressing you. And you know, for you and me, God gives us that same offer of freedom from the enemy. Many, many of, of us choose to live oppressed lives, and God's like, let my people go. And there will come a time where the enemy's like, just get out of here, but God will set you free. Many of us have had that experience in Christ. That's why we get so excited about getting up here and sharing this, because he has set us free from slavery. Paul writes in the New Testament, don't return to slavery. When you've been free, be free. When you're in Christ, you're free indeed. The second thing he gives them is not just freedom, but he gives them the ability to worship. And today, some of you have joined us in worship already. He gives us the ability to worship him. Their request that they have been asking for as slaves was, let us go to the mountain and worship our God. But they were being kept from worship. And he says, be free and worship right? So the second thing that we see that he gives the Israelites is the freedom to worship. The third I want you to see is that he gives them provisions for the journey. Now, two things happen here. The first is that they have this bread that was unleavened. It wasn't rising. It wasn't really ready like they have, normally have it. They had it in these kneading troughs. And they, because it was the middle of the night, and they're saying, just get out of here right now. We don't want you here anymore. And whenever you're a slave and someone offers you freedom, do you know what you do? Huh? You run, man. Have you seen any movies where someone's like, they unchain you and they say, they say, you're free? What do you do? You book it, baby. I don't know what you're standing around for. You just run. So these people are like, get your stuff. We're getting out of here. You know, I mean, I, I mean, they were excited about this. And they just took and they wrapped up these troughs, threw them on their, and they're booking. Like, I don't know if I want to eat that bread. I don't know how that works, you know. But they're like, we'll just take what we have. And they take their livestock with them and they go. 
provisions for the journey, the things that they had. You know, when you're a slave, you don't own anything. You don't own anything. And all of a sudden, it's like, God's like, and you're going to have this, and you're going to have that. And then the kicker, right, is this. He gives them provisions for the journey. That's the food, the sustenance along the way. He gives them favor with the enemies. <laughs> it says, go, go on the way out and say, hey, by the way, I want you to think about this for a minute. Like, you've been ruling over these slaves. I mean, these people, like, do your dishes, wash your feet, you know. They don't get to dress like you. They don't get to act like you. They don't get to go where you go. And, and in the middle of the night, in this momentary decision where we're going we're gonna to let you out of here, all these slaves are packing up their stuff, and they turn to you and they say, hey, by the way, how about your watch? Hey, that's a good-looking ring you have on. And you know what the word says? God gave them favor, and they're like, just take it. And they took off their earrings and their necklaces, and they gave them to the Israelites on the way out the door. And you go, man, that ain't right. But, you know, if you're a slave, you're like, yeah, you owe me. And God's delivering all these things. Favor with the people. And the last thing is, he gives them wealth, right? I mean, he gives it to them. They, they, they leave, and it says that they gave them gold and silver and articles of clothing. They gave them clothes they were never allowed to wear, you know? And they walked out the door willingly. I mean, willingly for the oppressor. Just leave. Take it all. That's wild to me, that we follow a God that commands not only our lives, but the lives of our enemies, that he would have influence over them like that. So that's the story I wanted to set up, this story. Now, check it out. So start with me and start flipping to the right side of your Bible. If you're looking, okay, keep flipping, keep flipping. We're not there yet. Did you guys find it yet? Not there. Don't flip too fast. Are you there? Exodus 32. Did you go past it? Anybody go past it? You guys are slow flippers, man. I was past it already. All right, thir 32. I don't know what page it's on for you. We're going to read Exodus 32. This is great. By the way, um, in the middle here, something happens. God demonstrates his faithfulness repeatedly with his people. I mean, he over and over again demonstrates how faithful he is to his people. They go, Lord, we're going to starve. We're going to starve. And he says, how about at night I give you birds, and in the morning I give you manna from the ground? You don't earn it. You don't deserve it. The birds show up. They die. You eat them. In the morning, the manna's there. You eat it. They go, Lord, we're going to die of thirst. He's like, how about you go over to this rock? I'm going to give you water. They're like, they're like Lord, we're, we're going to die in this desert. And he, he's just leading them every day, every day, every step of the way, right? All, and, and they begin to pursue God in their life, man. They're following. Man, it's a desert, but they're following God. And, and, and we can't get into all that story, but it's amazing if you read through that. I'd encourage you to read through that story. How, how quickly their hearts begin to get weary. Oh, Lord, I've been following you for three days now. When's this going to end? <laughs> you know what I mean? I've been following you three months. When, when's this going to be over? But I want to pick it up here. Uh, I, want, I want to point one other thing up. Uh, check it out. In uh, chapter 30, um, I'm going to start like around uh, verse 11, say. Um, there's this interesting story because I told you earlier that everyone paid a price for disobeying God. I mean, in Egypt, every household paid a price. I, I just thought this was really curious. In uh, Exodus 30, chapter 11, it says this. Then the Lord said to Moses, when you take a census, that's the count of the Israelites, um, each one must pay the, the Yahweh, 
not the Yahweh, Yahweh, the Lord, a ransom for his life. Listen, a ransom for his life when he's counted. Now, I want you to hear this. Then no plague will come on them when you number them, right? So I'm going to protect them. Each one who crosses over... is to give a half a shekel according to the sanctuary shekel. That's a weight of measure, which weighs 20 giras, whatever that is. And then the half shekel is an offering to Yahweh. Check it out. All who cross over, those 20 years old or older, are to give an offering to the Lord. Now, this is what kicked kicked me in, in the teeth a little bit. Check it out. Verse 15. The rich are not to give more than a half, and the poor are not to give less than a half when you make this offering to the Lord to atone for your lives. You see, God delivered them from slavery. And God says, and this is the cost. And I want you to see two things. First thing is that back in Egypt, the price that everyone paid, the the king paid it, and he was the one oppressing people, right? And the guy who was in the dungeons paid the price. The whole Egypt paid the price. And here he says, my people, when you pay me, every life has the same value. No matter how much you have, this is the atoning price. The atoning price for your life. No matter how poor you are, this is the atoning price for your life. I thought that was really interesting. It, it's, it's not what I expected. If you read the, you know, the word a lot, things are usually scalable. And here it's the same price for everyone. We'll check it out. So Israel had been set free, and they crossed over the Red Sea, and they're going out. And then I want you to see, um, they begin to listen to God. And then here it is, Exodus chapter 32. I told you to get there. Verses, uh, verse 1. Here's the next thing I want you to see. I'm going to tell you up here on the screens. Oh, look at that cow. That's cool. Um, We tend to worship his gifts. And I believe this is true about us. We tend to worship his gifts. Look at what it says in chapter 32, verse 1. When the people saw that Moses was so long and coming down from the mountain, I want to stop a minute. You see, Moses had gone up the mountain to talk to God, you know, and, and he's up there for a while because it takes from chapter 20 to chapter 32. That's like a lot of scripture where God is speaking. You can see it because it's in quotes and it says, the Lord said, the Lord said, the Lord said. You know what Moses is doing? Moses is listening. Yes. And the Lord's speaking, right? And and so the Israelites are waiting, waiting at the bottom of the Mount Mount Sinai. When the people saw that Moses was so long and coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, remember Aaron and Moses were co-leading. Remember the, the Pharaoh said, come in here, guys, get these people out of here. They gathered around and said, come, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him, right? So they've given up on Moses. That's cool. And they're telling Aaron, do something, man. We we need a leader. Lead. Aaron answered this. Look at what Aaron's answer is. Take off the gold earrings that your wives and your sons, hey, look, men with earrings, and your daughters are wearing, and bring them to me. So all the people took off the earrings and brought them to Aaron. Do I need to remind you? These are the earrings that they said, hey, how about your gold? And God gave them favor. And they take these things that God had given to them, and they bring them to Aaron. Here, do something. Do something with these things, right? I don't know what Aaron's going to do next. You know, he's Moses' faithful sidekick. He's the guy who can speak well. You know, he's the number two. Moses asked for him to be there. God delivered him as a gift to Moses, right, and a pain. (laughs) And here they are, and they bring all these earrings that God had given them to to Aaron. Well, look what Aaron does here. 
So they brought, he took what they, I'm in verse four, by the way. He took what they had handed to him and he made it into an idol in the shape of a calf, fashioned it with a tool. I don't know what that calf looked like. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't know how he fashioned it with a tool, right? And I don't know why he made a calf out of it. You know, unless after being in the desert for like three months, they're ready for some meat. <laughs> you know, the birds weren't cutting it anymore. The bread, over the bread. Here, look at, listen what happens. He makes this golden calf of earrings that the Lord had given them. Uh, and it can't feed them, can it? I mean, they can't eat it. They, they can't cut steaks. They can't get a tenderloin out of there. They can't, they can't get a filet mignon out of this golden calf, can they? Right? He fashions it with a tool, and, and, and he puts it before him. Well, check it out. Then they, this is the people gathered there, say, they say, these are your gods, O Israel. These are the ones that brought you out of Egypt. Man, I just, I don't know. How often do we do that? This is the stuff that delivered you. It, it, was, it was your own wise thinking. It, it was your own prayer. You prayed the right prayer, and that's how you were delivered. You did the right kind of a sermon, and that's how God was glorified. You picked the right wife, and that's why your marriage is good. Or you picked the wrong wife, and that's why your marriage is bad. You raise that child right, and this one wrong. And it becomes about us, 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 what we have done. They say, behold, Israel, these are our gods. Aaron has a moment here. I mean, he must know when he's taking a screwdriver and putting his earrings together, oh, that looks like a nose, that looks like a hoof. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if this guy's even an artist. I don't know what he's even doing. But when he sees how excited the people are about the stuff, he says, I got a great idea. And look what he does. He says, I'm going to build an altar in front of it. When Aaron saw this in verse 5, he builds an altar in front of the calf, and then he announces with his great oratory ability, tomorrow we will have a festival to the Lord. Sounds like a great pastor, doesn't it? Lord, the people are here already, and they're already worshiping something. I'll just make it about you. I'll just turn their hearts toward you. I'll put the altar in front of the golden calf. Why waste all this energy? They obviously believe this is salvation. So the next day, the people rose early and they sacrificed burnt offerings and they offered fellowship offerings. And afterward, after they'd done their religious duty, they sat down and they ate and they drank and they indulged in revelry. I mean, they were feeling good. They were feeling good. Do you see any symmetry with what we do as Christians or what we do as a church? 
I'm going to ask you to think with me for a minute. There's a faithful group of people, and they're seeking God, and they're desperate for a solution. And they say, God, if you would but come down, you would save us. And God does. And he moves. And people are saved. And there's a lot of noise about it, man, because the whole world sees it. The non-believers and the believers, everyone sees it. And they're like, great. And then the, you know what happens? The minute God moves in that way, all of us, and I'm not talking against, I'm talking about us, church, listen to me. All of us take the thing that God did and we turn it into a commodity. You know how I can tell that's true? How many of you have read Purpose Driven Life? You know, how many of you have read a Francis Chan book? Maybe you've read a Rob Bell book. Maybe you've read a John Piper book. Maybe you've listened or watched a Mark Driscoll podcast. Or you've, you've worshipped at life.tv, Life Church TV. And we take the holy God the only one who can save us, the only one that can deliver us, and we turn him into a product. And we say, but Lord, it's for the glory of God. I'm not mad at those guys. Family Bible Church. We go to, to Guatemala, and we see God working. We're like, wow, man, God's doing cool stuff in Guatemala. It's so awesome. You got to go to Guatemala. And then we stand up and we turn what God is doing in Guatemala, the real stuff in real lives, we turn it into a product. And we package it and we sell it to you. Or Africa. Or Honduras. Or VBS. Or Blast. Or Sunday services our worship, or whatever it is. And we say, this product's better than this product. I've been looking for a church, man. This church's better than this church. And we're going to make a decision. We're going to have a fight about what church is. The, we're going to have a fight about the programs that are the best. We're going to have a fight about the stuff. Listen to me. We're going to have a fight about the stuff that God has given us. Oh, that's silly. Isn't it? I mean, do you think it's stupid? You know why I think it's stupid? And then it can about me. It's because what we want is God. I mean, that's what I want. I don't want, I don't want, I mean, this stuff is nice. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying because God feeds us. I, want, I don't want to be starving to death. I mean, he gives me health. I don't, I don't, but you know what? I want God. I want Jesus. That's what I want. The problem for these commodities, the problem for dancing around sacred cows, the problem for being all hyped up about stupid stuff is that we miss the point. And what's worse yet is people come through the doors and they're hurting and they're lost and they're broken and they're desperate for help. And we go, here, here's some earrings we kind of put together. They're pretty cool. And we don't go, here, it's the God who made you, who died to save you. And no matter what you're going through, he will deliver you. Our gospel is too small. I, um, I'm not mad at any, that stuff is good, but what we should be after is a relationship with Christ. What we should be after is growing more in him every day.
I wanted to share a verse of scripture. We're called to worship the giver of the gifts, not the gifts. We're called to worship. I don't know what this is. You got a new job, man. You go, hey, I got a new job. But you don't worship the job. You worship the God that gave you the job. You got a raise. You go, hey. You got a wife. You go, hey. You, you got a problem. Listen to me. You got a problem. You go, hey, praise you, God, because you gave me the problem. You know what I mean? Because what you want in the end of your life is not more stuff to distract you from your real problem. What you want at the end of your life is a God who will deliver you. And so we're called to worship, to know, to pray, talk to the true, genuine, real God who is demonstrating his love day by day. I'm going to close with this verse right here from the book of Romans. And this particular passage has been used to beat people up, and it's great because we need to be beat up, man, because we're sinners, we're lost, we're screwed up, we're a mess. But here's the problem. The indictment that God makes against us to his word is this. They exchange the truth of God for a lie. Taking a very real person, a very real relationship, a very real God, and trading it out for a pretend God that we made up because it's more comfortable. And look, and they worshiped and served the created things rather than the creator. And Paul can't help it, he says, because the creator is to forever be praised. Amen? Amen. The creator is to be forever praised. And this is the fundamental sin of the Israelites. And this is the fundamental sin of the church, is that we get distracted and we ignore God's presence because we're distracted with the stuff that he's given us. We are called not to worship things. I hope you are as challenged as I am about this. We are called not to worship the stuff, but the giver. The giver. And I want to tell you today, up here, man, I'm, I'm, I'm done with, I'm tired. I'm repenting again, Deb. I'm repenting again. I don't want the stuff. I want Jesus. And, and you know what? Maybe you came through and you got stuff you don't even want. You're like done with it. I don't want this stuff. I never wanted this stuff. I didn't ask for this stuff. You know, has God got your attention yet? Are you listening yet? Because you know what he says? I offer my son to you. Do you want Jesus? Or do you want all the stuff? Maybe you, will, uh, maybe you will join me in repenting of the sin. Maybe every day. I want the stuff. I want Jesus. That's my question for you today. Do you want more Jesus in your life? Do you want more Jesus in your life? And I know some of you are like me. If I said, I'm like, yeah, man, I want more Jesus. You know what Jesus does to stuff that's in his way? He just knocks it over. Get out of here. Clear a spot. You want more of me? You're going to make room. I'm going to make room. Jesus answers those kind of prayers, but it's, it's real. So I'm going to ask 
If you've never invited him in, man, he is so gentle and graceful and starts moving around, but it's going to end. You'll never be the same. I want to be real. You'll never be the same. You'll never be the same if you invite Jesus into your heart. Uh, please join me in praying today. Father God, we've come here to real, realize our own sinfulness and our need for you, the reality of who you are. I confess openly that we make far too little of you that we get far too distracted by the stuff, whether it's our pressing issues, it's our homes, it's the church stuff, it's whatever, Father. We get so distracted. I confess, Father, that I do this and ask for forgiveness. And Father, for those hearts that come here saying they're burdened, we don't want to offer them trinkets and junk. We want to offer them your son, the one who is saving us, the one who is infinitely graceful, full of mercy, quick to forgive. I give you praise and glory for him today. I pray, Father, that for those who are here and they're just right on the edge and they say, man, I don't know, this is dangerous stuff, that they would take a leap with you, Father, that they would believe in you, Father, not in family Bible church, not in what people who are here, but in you and your ability to save. And may you be forever praised because you alone are worthy. May you forever hold a place in our hearts. And as we already prayed today, Father, may our last breath be more faith-filled than any before it, that you are delivering us in our time of need. We give you praise and glory because you alone are worthy. In Jesus' name, amen.